Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and skillies. I'm your host, Led Milanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Angron, Math Machine, Lucky Eevee, and Striker. Today is our 22nd episode, and we're discussing 1993's Dinosaurs episode, Out of the Frying Pan. So, let's get things started. Heck so, yeah, baby. Yep. Jim Henson's original idea for Dinosaurs was called the Natural History Project, and it was going to be kind of a realistic uh, look at how dinosaurs lived. Sort of like uh, the Rite of Spring in Fantasia or Walking with Dinosaurs, but with like animatronics and puppetry and that. Mm. Now what happened, why that didn't get made, Jim apparently saw the land before time and didn't want to be accused of ripping it off. So mm. he decided to make it a sitcom instead. Now the, show now, the show had a pilot filmed in 1988 and no footage of it is leaked. And basically, he shopped it around to various networks, and nothing happened. And tragically, Jim Henson did not live to see the show make it to series in 1991. Aww. Sadly, yeah, that's yeah. a bit of a yeah, shame. Yeah, but anyway, uh, the show was greenlit because of two words. The Simpsons. Everybody <laughs> wanted to be like the Simpsons in the early 90s. They were like, every other like TV channel was trying to come up with their own version of The Simpsons. And basically, at one point, the Simpsons actually made fun of dinosaurs for being a knockoff of them. There's an episode where the Simpsons are watching it on TV. You know, they have, like, the Earl slash Homer dinosaurs, like, Turn off that rock and roll music! Don't have a stegosaurus, man! And then, like, uh, Bart goes, Wow, they took our lives and put it on TV! <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah mode. But anyway, but the, the thing was with me... Dinosaurs never reminded me of The Simpsons at all. To me, it was Same. like a completely separate thing. There were other shows like, uh, was it A Family Dog done by uh, Brad Bird, of all people, and things mm -hmm. like that, that were trying to copy The Simpsons more. This never really reminded me of it. It actually is more like a prehistoric version of All in the Family. If, never heard like of I it. Said, the Flintstones are basically a prehistoric version of The Honeymooners. You could say Dinosaurs is a prehistoric version of All in the Family. To the point where Sally Struthers plays the daughter in both shows. She plays uh, she plays Gloria in All in the Family, and she plays uh, Charlene in Dinosaurs, which was a very nice, uh, interesting touch. Pretty neat. And, uh, so now, yeah, the show itself, I'm going to come out and say this right now. It looks and holds up fantastic. You, you will not believe this thing is 30 years old with how good it looks. Okay, to an extent, I can agree. But if you look back at like the first season or so, you'll yeah, they, they start got better to as they went along. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah, the, the suits from the first season were definitely cruder. You could tell that they didn't have, you know, maybe they didn't have the budget to make them more enhanced so they would become later on in the series. But for the most part, the show still holds up really, really well. They Absolutely. they actually how they filmed it was really interesting. Uh, most of the uh, uh, main cast were done the same way as the Turtles in the first two TMNT movies of the 90s. They had suit actors with animatronic heads. These heads were covered with latex, and then they had actors dub over them. And I think it's because of this method, it just looks so good. I mean, I mean, no, I'll credit to the Simpsons and all, but you can reach out and touch these guys, you know? I mean, it just feels more real than it would be if it was a cartoon. 
Mm, yeah, oh, certainly. Yeah, it certainly yeah. does uh, hold up, in my opinion. Yeah. I still have yet to see all of the series, but the stuff that I have seen, the stuff that I have heard about, yeah, it's it, great. It's it, great. It, it's and certainly, it holds up uh, so well. The writing is really, really sharper than any right to be. It's even, I think, wittier than The Simpsons at times. That they had like an all-star writing team and a performing team on this show. Yeah, absolutely. They also, uh, oh man, yeah, it, yeah, it surprisingly really uh, got a, quite the underground following. That's for sure. It still does, and I, I understand why it does because this show like this could only exist like if the planets aligned. Later on, uh, we'll talk about an attempt the Hensons made at basically repeating the success of this, but we'll do that later on the episode. So now, yep. basically. Oh, Okay, good. Now, basically, uh, this episode starts off at the Sinclair household, like most episodes did. And, of course, mm-hmm. uh, baby Sinclair was the breakout star of the show. Like, he was the Bart Simpson of dinosaurs, basically. And that yeah. he got all the merchandise. He got all of the, you know, uh, basically appearance and, like, you know, the press and stuff like that. And he's he was played by Kevin Clash, who also uh, would later puppeteer and voice Elmo, a much uh, more popular character, although... Probably not. Probably uh, equally as beloved. And of course, I... Kevin Clash. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is very. Yeah. yeah honestly, after hearing is... uh, Baby Sinclair, I. Yeah, I, I immediately got like, "Hey, that sounds like Elmo." Wait a minute. Which yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty weird. He also uh, immediate. He's also like here that what what you just said that immediately becomes like. Uh, evident once he starts like imitating his mom, which yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. that yeah. really came out of left field. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, That's like cool. I say, uh, this episode you could say is a reaction to the insane popularity of Baby Sinclair by you know the viewing public, which Dinosaurs was not afraid to get meta. They were not afraid to actually do not only commentary about the world around them and you know social issues that are still relevant today. But they also weren't afraid to do self-commentary on themselves. So I'm wondering if this could have been part of it. So yeah. basically, the episode begins with the, er, with the uh, Sinclair family preparing for breakfast. That And, of course, baby Sinclair copies everything that you know his mother, Fran, does and says, including her frustrated complaining about the family, which is really funny. Yeah, and very much like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh... Yeah, Fran was the mother of the family, and she didn't get a lot of focus uh, compared to some of the other characters. She might have if the show ran larger. I mean, how much development did Marge have compared to the other Simpsons at the beginning of the series? So, Mm. we'll never know. So, she was voiced by uh, Jessica Walters, who was, she was an archer. She was the mom on Arrested Development. She played, she was really good in a dramatic turn as the stalker in uh, Clint Eastwood's Play Misty for me. And she mm. does a great job in this show, too. You know, her, yeah. her voice acting is really well done. And, of course, that's only part of it. The other part is the suit. And, as we said before, uh, the suits changed from seasons one to two. And the Fran suit, in particular, for season one, really did not look good. I, I am so yeah. glad they went back and they changed it because, I don't know, the way it looks in season one with, like, the weird-looking teeth in that... It just or, doesn't look right. Yeah, yeah. Or more, or more accurately, like the weird-looking mouth, because like the little that's divot. That's that too. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, of course, uh, then Earl comes in, and of course, baby Sinclair smashes the frying pan, which was a running gag on the show. And yeah. if you know anything about the show, you probably know that. 
So yeah. basically, uh, there's a nice, there's a nice acknowledgement of like the reality of this running gag, and that they go through so many frying pans, they have to get the salesman there to complain about it. And the funny thing too about Dinosaur, one of the things that was really good was that they were not afraid to have like you know really you know almost sardonic dark humor. Like the part where the frying pan salesman says like, "Our pans crack, they rust, they get pieces of lead in your food," it's stuff like that. And mm. and one thing that's interesting that the salesman puppet here would be reused many times throughout the show. The thing is with dinosaurs, aside from like the uh, main and tertiary and secondary characters. A lot of the one-offs that will appear only once or two times are reused designs. They had like a set amount of latex heads and you know late and basically bodies, and they would basically swap it out, which is very interesting. Yeah, thank goodness stuff like Monica remained the same for the most part. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she's yeah. a great one, but yeah. And of course, there's another great line, another great line, basically with uh, the salesman saying, you know, I can give you your money back, but then I'd have less money. It's like simple little things like that that you wouldn't think yeah you know, would be funny, but it's the way they're delivered, or maybe it's like the timing of the show. It really, really does work out well, and it's yeah. good thing you uh, mentioned Monica there, Anne Gron, because uh, this is when uh, she appears. She was their uh, next door neighbor, and she you never saw anything of her from the neck down. She was a brontosaurus, which uh, number one is a very uh, cute little joke, and number two is actually a really clever way that they don't have to build an entire animatronic body. They could just have, like, the neck and the head, and that was it. So, oh, yeah. That was actually yeah, yeah, a clever way of doing things with her. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Once did a full-body shot, but it was yeah. from a very far distance, so it was probably just a, a miniature model. Model or something, yeah. Probably. And she it, in, it, uh, probably numerous... been, it probably would have been uh, interesting to have her, like, have the full-body thing at least, like, once or twice. Once. But yeah. I will admit it's a very. But I will admit it probably would have been a little difficult. It, it could have been done, but who knows? Yeah, yeah no, no, they probably could have done it if they had too. more time, or they had more, mm -hmm. uh, you know, money in that. But for what it is, it still works out really good. So she basically was the voice of reason in any situation, and she appeared in a numerous episodes, including one that is about her that we will discuss uh, another time on this podcast. Mm. But uh, yeah. Earl, basically, uh, after the salesman sees, you know, baby Sinclair beat his father over the head with a frying pan, he decides to make him a commercial star. And the, all the commercials are just him beating Earl over the head with the frying pan in various ways, which are still really funny. And there's another uh, really good gag later on that scene about Earl hearing things are being whacked on the head too many times. Like, you know, there's about where, you know, uh, he goes, why is that phone ringing? Why are there bees in here? You know, it's, it's something that... Again, it probably doesn't sound funny when I'm doing it, but the way it's done in the actual show, it just clicks. Oh, man. What's even funnier is, like, even after Dinosaurs, like, even when the guy would still do, like, Elmo, oh, man, like, the stuff that Elmo does when oh, he goes full on. And all that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Oh, he, man. He, uh, no, no, it was great. It was real good stuff. Yeah. I also remember, like, even SMG4 uh, poked jabbed a little bit. Like, they used the line from, like, a meme or something like that where, like, Elmo's, like, going full on, like, Prima Donna Karen or is like oh has god, to share. Like Rocco or whether Alaska, either one of those are classic yeah. freakout moments. So, or like, yeah. yeah, when he's like, when Elmo's like sharing the screen with uh, SMG mainstay Fishy Boopkins, and he's like, oh, Elmo sees how it is, and he's just like, go on, <laughs> 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 
god, it's hilarious. Oh, I recommend giving SMG four a shot, but right now, back to dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, let's go back to this for now. Uh, yes. The, uh, the funny gag too is when they're doing the next commercial. Basically, they have the uh, audience viewer poll in which the audience loves everything about the commercials except for Earl. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, he, everything, every single thing they love about it. You know, the gap between his toes, his teeth, you know, everything like that. They love everything except the green thing he beats over the head with a frying pan. And, oh. of course, Earl gets fired because of that. What is, the, <laughs> so what is that green thing, a rock? <laughs> I know, I know. It is, yeah. Oh, poor guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, basically, yeah. Oh, it's classic. It's classic. Anyway, basically, uh, what happens is the fame starts going to Fran's head, and showbiz satire can usually be hit or miss, but here it it does kind of work. It's like a standard sitcom plot, but yet the, there's something about the way they do it. Maybe it's that the, the way that they can find new angles on these topics and that, or maybe it says the world building is so unique, but it really does make you know, like even like the most standard of stories really come out like fresh and new and sadly of course the commentary on child stars and fame hungry mothers is very relevant as is all the show i mean they've done episodes of pretty much topics that are all extremely relevant which is kind of a shows how well it was and kind of sad that we haven't gone past it yeah and and it's also very much uh like still going on today so even yeah, more yeah. relevant and it should honestly be even more like uh highlighted and whatnot and yet it isn't exactly exactly i think that the reason their humor works when so many others don't is because i'm not sure it's quite the word to use they have sort of a jaded honest edge to their humor even more so than shows like the simpsons do which is just really relevant to people Exactly, exactly. And I think that's part of why, like I say, Dinosaurs are a huge hit. Because when you're a kid, I mean, let's just say, I watch this show all the time when it aired on, like, classic TV here in Disney Channel. And I was always like, you know, oh, hee hee, funny puppets. And when you're older and you can actually understand, like, you know, the subtleties of the dialogue, like I say, it is sharp. It is really, like I say, almost better written than The Simpsons at some points. Absolutely. But yeah, this episode two is a really nice reversal of the show's formula. With uh, basically, Earl is now the voice of wisdom, and Fran basically gets in over her, in over her head. When it was the uh, other way around throughout most of the series, which mm-hmm. again is something that I like that they do. You know, they're not afraid to basically take what would be a standard episode formula and basically go in a completely different direction than where yeah, you like- thought it was. Yeah, turn it upside down on its head and pretty much <laughs> give it an even basically, better concussion yeah. than Earl's. Like, basically yeah. what, for the most part, Phineas and Burb would do. And good lordy. That is a good comparison. That is actually a very good comparison in that there were episodes where, again, they would actually poke fun of their cells because there was an episode where they had a medical drama uh, on the show and there was like a cute little baby patient. And then the show be- became about the cute baby patient. And the, like, the patient on the show would go, not the pajamas. And then everyone else would laugh like idiots at it. So in a way, they were self-referential about themselves way before okay. like a lot of other shows would actually point out you know, how tired these catchphrases and gags could get. Yeah, that's certainly yeah. a very yeah, surprising yeah. thing, that's for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, uh, Robbie and Charlene sadly do not have much to do in this episode, even though they got a lot of focus later on. I mean, Robbie practically became the main character over Earl by the end of the show, in my opinion. Ooh. Yeah. Well, but okay. no, no, it's like, yeah, it's, it was good, though. It, I think the way they did it, it really did work. Like I say, I compared it to All in the Family only because it is the only show that it seems like with like its social satire and like its dialogue and its character relationship. It's not as abrasive. Let's say it that way. It's all in the family. Kind of like how Flintstones was not as, shall we say, realistic as the Honeymooners. But again, it's mm. a show that really does work out for the best. Yeah, okay. absolutely. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah. So anyway, uh, the episode has a cute little uh, gag when they go through various scripts and they read about uh, Baby Sinclair's one of his scripts was going to be basically Home Alone, which cute little gag, especially because everyone was, you know, making fun of Home Alone. Macaulay Culkin at the that. time, he was a huge. Sorry? I caught that joke. Yeah, in yeah. The, in the episode. Yeah, I did uh, somewhat catch that joke as well. Oh, yeah, he was a that. he was a huge child star at the time, and of course he would also later go on to have his things. But we'll talk about that another time. So, yeah. Oh man, Basically, it also Earl, reminds me of the, yeah, it also yeah. reminds me of uh, Home Alone too, and just oh, pretty yeah, much every Tim Curry. Curry we'll talk about him in a minute oh, yes. because uh, because uh, basically Earl confronts Fran over you know her using Baby's fame basically to basically for her own ends. And it got to the point earlier on in the scene, we kind of skipped over it, there's a part where Earl and Monica basically end up agreeing with each other that oh, what yeah. this life is isn't for it. And, of course, there's another really, really great uh, line in that part where Earl basically admits that, you know, all oh, Monica's right and that this life isn't for us. But then again, if I still had the part was making all the money, I wouldn't be saying that. Again, again, it really just shows how, yeah. you know, almost... You know, they have a message, but even that is like, it's taken seriously, but on the other hand, it's not. It's a very delicate balancing act that Henson and basically his associates and the Jim Henson's Creature Shop and all, they have always been really good with balancing that line, and this was a really excellent version of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, uh, sorry, yeah, I also really uh, enjoyed. Like, honestly, I didn't really know Monica all that too much, all too much. But uh, that moment right there, oh man, it honestly made me want to see like more of her. Which, yeah, I'm definitely gonna go back and watch the series uh, to like get like an overall census of what she's ultimately like. But yeah, that one yeah. moment yeah, where like yeah, she and uh, Earl getting along over something—that is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, definitely, oh, yeah. definitely. So, yeah, like I say, uh, basically, uh, Fran has a nightmare of sorts of basically baby Sinclair becoming a jaded child star on some, you know, a trashy talk show. And adult Sinclair, uh, as I'll call him, is voiced by Jason Alexander, best known as playing uh, George Costanza from Seinfeld. He was Hugo and Hunchback. You probably know oh, him. Wow. Mm. And the thing that's interesting, he he is a special guest on this show, but him... And Tim Curry were appeared on Dinosaurs so often, they were practically regular cast members. I'm sorry, where in this episode did Tim Curry show up? Not in this episode, yeah. Sally, but Tim Curry appeared in several, several other episodes, and so did Jason Alexander. They were practically regulars. Mmm, nice. That's, that is honestly really and, interesting. 
Yeah, and we are going to talk about an episode with one of the episodes of Dinosaurs with Tim Curry in it later on when we uh, get to it. But for now, yeah. we're talking about this one. And basically what happens is that he is that uh, baby Sinclair is now an adult and he's a bitter jade child star. And there's parts where like they show footage of him holding up a convenience store saying, Basically, and the clerk is like, hey, your baby Sinclair, that's a nice pan. That's watch, hand it over. And then the cops come, I'm the baby, gotta love me. And something that's just, it is so funny, and yet it is actually depressing. It is just, again, it hits that vibe perfectly almost every single time. I mean, there are maybe a couple of dud episodes, but for the most part, this show hit its mark more than not. It probably has a better, like, batting average than 90% of other sitcoms. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. also, funny little detail, yeah. Sinclair is still in his freaking diaper, even as an adult, which is yeah. very unique. I will say that. Interesting choice of the character design. But yeah, uh, basically what happens is that, of course, he writes a tell-all book that he wrote while he was in prison. I blame you, Mom. Which, Which, in a way, that's funny, but again, it's kind of sad because we've seen other child stars, even now, do that sort of thing, you know? And it's, it, you know, it is still something that, again, is sadly really real. relevant. Yeah, yeah, it's too real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. too real. Yeah, to tell you sure. how seriously Alexander took this, he used his Duckman voice. So you can tell that uh, he was pretty jaded about this kind of topic. Yikes. Yeah, yeah, he was very, again, he is an excellent, excellent actor. I mean, if you only know him from, like, Seinfeld or Hunchback and things like that, you know, check out his, you know, stage presence. He's excellent, but for this, he is, he again, he is a very good voice for this. Him and Tim Curry are the kind of actors who should be on this kind of show. Absolutely. So, basically, Absolutely. so basically, a friend realizes that, you know, show business wrong and decides to let, you know, baby Sinclair have a normal childhood. The pan salesman comes and tries to convince him otherwise, but of course, baby relinquishes it and beats him over the head with the frying pan, followed uh, by Earl doing it again. And the show has a pretty overall positive ending, which was not really common for the show. It was often more common than not for the show to have kind of a bittersweet, almost, you know, down ending more often than not. Mm. Again, it kind of yeah. reflected, you know, people's uh, reality in sort. So yeah. now, Dinosaurs was a critical and commercial smash. It was a huge, you know, it, it wasn't a huge hit, but it was popular enough. Merchandise is everywhere. I mean, Baby Sinclair was a hot ticket for a while. What got it canceled was the production time because it had the same exact uh, method of filming as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The problem is, is that the animatronic heads would often freeze or get stuck, so they would have to reset it, which... If you're making a sitcom, can take a lot of time. I think I remember reading it took dinosaurs at least twice, if not thrice as long as, say, an episode of Full House to film. Mm. Which, again, yeah. is a shame because this really is a fantastic show. And as much as I love The Simpsons, I would not mind living in a world where this ran uh, for a little couple more years, too, you know? Yeah. Now, the one thing about dinosaurs, aside from, you know, baby Sinclair and not the mama and the frying pan, that everybody remembers to this day is its finale. Now, we're not going to get into it too much because of spoilers, but then again, it is spoiling a 30-year-old television show. Yeah, that's very true. But regardless, uh, just to basically uh, give a rough, rough, rough description of it, 
Uh, it basically is shown that the dinosaurs are going to go extinct due to their own selfishness, greed, and stupidity. And that is it. That is the last episode. The dinosaurs are doomed because they were selfish, they were stupid, they were greedy, they were short-sighted, and now they're going to go. They are going to be extinct. And there is no happy ending, and the uh, basically final shot of the show is just the uh, Sinclair household. Uh, I will not say what is happening to the household, but yeah. And again, it is a show that, like that, it was not afraid to pull punches at all. Like, because it really, again, this final episode is one of the ones that really, again, affected people if it's being talked about, you know, almost 30 years after it aired. So, yeah, Dinosaurs mm. overall is a really fantastic show. It needs a lot more love. And I really, again, it is, it's available on Disney+. Plus. It's available on, like, you know, DVDs and that. And I highly recommend checking it out. Not all episodes are winners, but more often than not, you're going to have a good time. Yeah, now, absolutely. You, yeah. Now, if you want to see a Jim Henson's Creature Shop sitcom that failed, let's talk about another one called Aliens in the Family. Mm, this never was heard a sitcom. Of it. There's a reason you haven't. This <laughs> was a sitcom about a man who basically married a woman and she was an alien and they have alien kids and stuff like that. Now, the man and his wife are human and the aliens are puppets like the Sinclairs. Now, there is... There is a reason no one talks about this show or even remembers this show. The designs of these aliens are absolutely hideous. They are the most disgusting, wrong, you know, their eyes are too far apart. They have weird, like, bulbous cone head type of things, and they really do not look good at all. E.T., you know... E.T. is not a good looker, but he has his charm. Or like, you know, Alf is meant to look ridiculous. But these aliens just look terrible. And it was an attempt to repeat the success of Dinosaurs, and it failed miserably. It lasted for 13 episodes. It only aired like maybe once or twice and got pulled off the air. Never been released on DVD. Never gotten a home release, period. And I think the Henson uh, Corporation has pretty much done everything they can to bury this show. Because it is just... I mean, there's not even any full episodes on. I just looked up clips of it, and it is some of the worst stuff I have ever seen. I mean, mm. not just writing-wise, just character-wise. It is just everything that the dinosaurs did right, aliens and the family did wrong. Uh, yeah. Slight correction on the yep. number of episodes for aliens and the family. Yep. There's only eight. Ooh, wow. Wow, didn't even get a full season? Woo. That's, oh, wow, they, they, it, it, it ran from March 15th, 1996 to August 31st, 1996. A wow. single wow. year. That is the length wow. of a freaking Netflix season. It I, just, I shit you not. Went, wow, wow. Like that, 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 that's that, almost the length of freaking like a single season of the Freak Brothers or freaking Super Drags. If you, exactly, okay, I think, exactly. Yeah. And again, it really shows how much of a failure this show was compared to dinosaurs. I think, again, dinosaurs are the type of thing where lightning can only strike once in this case. But regardless, uh, Dinosaurs is an excellent, excellent show. It, it is, like I say, a cult show at this point, probably. But it really should be better remembered, not just by, like, you know, 90s nostalgia fans or fans of Henson, but really by most people. Because, I will, again, I probably have made my point very clear, but... Dinosaurs is probably one of the sharpest sitcoms I have ever seen in yeah, terms of writing. So. In terms, 
it, it is up there maybe even with Seinfeld in terms of how well done it is. Uh, yeah, I'd almost argue uh, Lower Decks is also up there as well, but uh, yeah. that one's highs are a little less compared to other uh, more noteworthy sitcoms. Right, right. Still but very yeah, enjoyable. Uh, Give it a watch. No, no, it definitely is, definitely is. But yeah, like I said, uh, it's an excellent show. And now it is time for the uh, question of the week, which is, what are your favorite Muppet memories? Because... Sadly, there's not a lot of Muppet-related content with, like, female dinosaurs, dragonesses, scaly characters, what have you. So, yeah. basically, I will go first, and th- this is probably going to be a little bit controversial, but uh, I had the Muppet show on VHS, watched it all the time. Nice. I had, like, you know, watched uh, Sesame Street, or Body of Sesamo, as it was called here, with Espinette the Hedgehog. He's really oh. adorable, and oh he's my great. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, you, you gotta look him up if you see him. He, he is adorable. But yeah, uh, my favorite Muppet movies are actually Muppets Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. Now, all praise given to be like to like the original Muppet movie and Muppet Takes Manhattan and Muppet Caper. But there is something about those two where they hit it out of the park. I mean, Muppet Christmas Carol, we, I've watched it every Christmas since I was a little kid and it never fails to make me smile. And Muppet Treasure Island is... So hilarious, and it is probably the most underrated Muppet movie, in my opinion. You have Cabin Fever. You got Tim Curry as Long John Silver, the only actor who has probably ever who has ever been able to steal the show from the Muppets in their own movie is Tim Curry. He, he really does a great job as it. It has you know fantastic moments. It actually has a pretty heartfelt story when you get down to it. It is probably one of the better adaptations of Treasure Island after Disney's 1950s uh, Treasure Island. You know, uh, the the uh, of course the Soviet version, and of course Treasure Planet. But yeah, those are actually my favorite Muppet movies. And I actually I've had this idea for a Muppet movie for years, literally years, and they have never done. It. And it's like, but it's so obvious, Muppet Around the World in 80 Days. It could be very interesting. I mean, like, honestly, yeah. you can have Kermit the Frog is like Phineas Frog, haha. You can have yeah. basically a bunch of Muppets do little cameos in the other locations. You can have Gonzo and Rizzo show up again as Passport Two. You can really do a lot with you know this concept, and yet it feels like they. My thing with Disney with the Muppets, granted, the Muppets are probably more relevant than they were like ten, twenty years ago on that. But the problem is. I still don't think they know what to do with the Muppets. It's like, you know, Jim Henson and like his family were the only ones who really knew where to take it. And as soon as they got bought out, it feels like they're trying to throw everything against the wall to see what sticks. The Muppet movie from 2011 and, you know, Muppets Most Wanted, they have their moments. They're really funny. You know, they, they have, you know, great characters. But I don't know. There's something about the duology of... Muppet uh, Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island that are just so much so good. There's something about them that I, I just they are my favorite Muppet movies, and I can't believe I'm saying that. And I know it's only sacrilege to say that, but eh. yeah, yeah. And of course, they have the other uh, Henson adjacent work, like you know Fraggle Rock and that, which is a pretty fun show. And yeah, I really feel like the Muppets as a whole. I feel like they're still relevant because they are always going to be relevant. People still love the Muppets. They always love the Muppets. But I just wish they had just one project. 
one perfect little project that would bring them really back in the limelight. Yeah. Okay. So here's two bits of Muppet related media or or three Henson related medias that you probably never heard of. Uh, the okay. first was a ch- is a childhood classic that I actually grew up on a lot uh, alongside uh, Sesame Street and uh, a little bit of Fraggle Rock. Uh, Bear in the Big Blue House. That was yes, pretty much. I forgot that was Jim Henson. Yes. Yeah, that yes. Was, that was definitely Jim Henson. I completely yeah. forgot about that. Wow, wow, that yeah. that is. I remember yeah, that show, man. man. There were a lot of interesting characters on that show. There was this weird lime green uh, lemur. There's this blue mouse. Like, oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. There's this one deleted scene where, uh, like, uh, this young brown bear kid is... Uh, yeah, Tuttle, the mouse, is with uh, this young brown bear kid. Uh, orange bear kid. I, I forget his name, but... Oh, man. Like, they're at the computer, and, like... It's not working. And yeah, it takes a piece of shit anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the the, the Muppet outtakes oh, sometimes better than the actual stuff, but yeah. I completely oh, forgot about that show. Wow. Yeah, Way like, to bring back memories. Yeah, there was they did shadow puppets, they did a lot of very interesting stuff oh, that gosh. honestly I kinda wanna revisit. Okay. The second thing that they did was Between the Lions. Now that, the Lions. I not heard of that I can't forget it. I cannot forget that show. Yeah, like oh man, the theme was mm, That was man, legendary. Like, like no diss to freaking uh, reading Rainbow, but like Oh man, that theme was amazing. Also, the characters in that, as well as like, okay, real talk here. A lot of the books that I heard about from this uh, show came from there. Like Capiti Plain, it holds true in my heart because of that. Of because of that show, it, it is that uh, dang memorable. Like they also have like two butts. That are pretty much Waldorf and Statler, sort of. Or wait, no. Nice, no, nice. no, no, no. There's like one butt and like two pigeons that uh, like visit him. There's like six, this uh, university dragon sort of thing, and like, oh this man, awesome. I had to look this up. This yeah, you gotta look cool. this up. It's it's it very much it's worth great. your time. And okay, here's the character that I remember the most. From that show, it, it it's uh-huh. a literal living computer mouse named Qwerty. I kid you not, and it nice, is nice. Oh man, it it is I very never amazing. Got that when I was a kid. I never got the joke. I got that as a kid either. I never got that as a kid either. Oh, that is clever. Ju- that is clever. Yeah, I just got that name now. Honestly, same here. Same <laughs> to be honest. Like, it's like, oh yeah, it's wow. Qwerty, and I'm like. Oh my gosh, it's Cordy. Yeah, man, it was amazing. I'll tell you what. And the third thing, it's more recent, but it still deserves to be talked about for the most part. Farscape. That show... worked on that? Wow. Yeah, well, Henson Company. Henson Company. They did the puppet work for some of the puppets on that show. I will go out on a limb and say that. But, yes. That is a Henson Company show, and it is called Farscape. It had, like, oh, man. That show, for a time, was very much, uh, 
very much got me and uh, my dad, my stepmom, and my sister hooked for a while. And it had some very amazing moments. Like, it, it is far from a kid's show. So those of you under 18, the audience, like, between the teenage age, definitely give it a watch, but at your own risk for the most part. But, yes, man, the stuff they do in that is pretty deep, pretty amazing, and... Oh, man. I, I know one of the actors uh, who was in that. He was John Crichton, the main character. Uh, Ooh, also nice. starred in an episode of Doctor Who, which mm, Ooh, that yeah, was really amazing. Is another favorite show from when I was a teen, actually. Yeah, same. Same. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, before we, uh, before yeah. we go off on a tangent. Yeah. So, Stryker, what was your favorite uh, you know, Muppet-related uh, memories in that? When I was growing up, uh, like when I was a very young kid, I had this um VHS tape for Sesame Street. Nice. And uh, whenever I would, whenever I play it, um, whenever Cookie Monster came on, I was hooked. I was a yeah. massive Fresh fan Fresh. of Cookie Monsters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. You go and look it up on YouTube. It is still hilarious. The part with him and Kermit with an orange. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I love it. Uh, I just love that. Yeah. It's an orange. I told you what it is. It's an orange. <laughs> it's just, it, again, this is a thing for little, little kids. And yet again, the writing is so sharp. Again, also- Henson completely revolutionized television of all kinds with this and yeah, he is he was and he is a legend and it, it is so great it really yeah. really is do you want to know something else like yeah there's like another cookie monster segment where it's not like uh it's not like uh kermit but like it has like uh this girl who's like a pink fairy or was it the orange thing but i do know that she ultimately like had this cookie and didn't want cookie monster just yet but then he's like He's like, oh, Cookie Monster. Okay. I also, yeah, I also really enjoyed like the Trash Gordon segments as well. Which, oh my gosh, like for the longest time, I had no idea who Flash Gordon was until I took a trip to like London and saw the Flash Gordon Museum. But then, like a little later in life, when I'm like in uh, Wisconsin and whatnot, and I'm like, wait a minute. Trash Gordon, Flash Gordon. Oh, come on. (laughs) Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, they introduced you to things like that that you never knew or never thought basically existed. And that was, again, really part of the appeal of it. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Math Machine, what would you have to say? Uh, Your favorite Muppet uh, related moments? Uh, Mine is absolutely 100% Dark Crystal. Nice. Oh, yeah. man, I forgot about Dark Crystal. That I love that. Labyrinth. That and the Labyrinth were pretty amazing. Yeah, I like the Labyrinth, Labyrinth more because David Bowie, but yeah. Labyrinth is one of my favorites for sure. Same. I love the Dark Crystal. I loved how, well, dark it was. The yeah. creature designs were all fantastic. The yeah. Skixies are still some of the best designed villains I've ever seen in anything. It even got yeah, a Netflix like, show. Even from what little we got of it, it was such a rich and detailed world. And I even love the uh, sequel series that Netflix did. And like all great uh, things that Netflix does, they canceled after one season. Uh, oh. 
yeah, I, I also, they also got a game. They also got a game too, which yeah. is oh, not, and, um, they actually got two manga series. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah Labyrinth got one too. I think. Yeah, Labyrinth got, got a couple. Of them. did not actually. Oh, oh. Got, didn't Labyrinth? I thought got a manga. No, it didn't. Weird. Oh, Dark Crystal did. did. They got two huh. manga series. Oh, that's yeah, around 2017, 2018. Uh, Dark Crystal was coming back with a lot of stuff. The the game, the Netflix series, uh, those manga series. It looked like they were going to be real big again, and then everything just all died at once, and nothing's happened since. Yeah, a shame. Especially yeah. oh, because the world, you really could do so much with that. I mean, the movie itself has so much left open to explore. You know? Yeah. Oh, spe- that actually reminds me of something. Like there is this BBC series that. Almost looks Henson-esque, but it is not made by Jim Henson himself. It is called Mongrels, and surprisingly, the episodes that I saw, honestly, it was very funny. And like, it only had like two seasons, but man, it it looked very amazing. Definitely right. give that a watch as well. Kind of reminds me of that other thing that uh, was it that Dog City that the Hensons actually worked on. That yeah, was a, Dog City. It was a puppet series, and it was an animated series with the Hensons thought control over it. Yeah. I vaguely remember it, but again, it's it's so hazy. I really don't. Yeah, Dog so, yeah, City uh, was very interesting. You know, so that uh, reminds me. Yeah, there was a Eevee. lot of dog puns in Dog City, actually. Yeah, I can oh, see bad. that. That Henson, like I said, they they love. Puns. They love, like, you know, and uh, the uh, lame of the pun. When I the say a lot, I'm, I'm uh, uh, kind of not giving it justice because, like, uh, every other dialogue. That's pretty much the entire script of the show, dog puns. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to check it out just to see what it is. So, uh, yeah. Lucky Evie, what would you have to say are your uh, favorite uh, Muppet memories? I genuinely didn't have. Any, I didn't watch Sesame Street growing up. I didn't really watch Muppets. No, between the lions, I had a McDonald's toy of that. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's that something. That's, 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 I think. Yeah, I think that's the extent. Uh, mm, hey, nice. hey, any basically any part of a relationship with it is better than none. Yeah. So now it's time for the uh, patent pending Dragonus scale. And we're going to review uh, just Fran Sinclair today. We'll talk about Monica DeVertebrae and Charlene Sinclair on later episodes. So to start off with yeah. Fran, I'm going to give her a probably higher score than she deserves, a 9 out of 10. Not just for this episode, but for her as a whole. Again, the appearance is fantastic. We're talking about the season two and beyond, not season one, by the way. We do not uh, talk about season one, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, no. But yeah, uh, the appearance is fantastic. The voice is great. The characterization that she does get when she gets it is really well done. And really just dinosaurs as a whole, it just needs more respect. You know, it needs mm-hmm. more love. Does, and it yeah. is a, you know, it is a show that really needs more recognition. And that is why I'm going to give it a high score because it is a fantastic series as a whole. She's a great character. Really all the characters on the show are more fleshed out than you think they would be. Even, like, one-off characters would somehow have enough depth to really make them feel alive. They they stand out more than they should. Exactly. That is exactly how I feel. 
Yeah, that's very much so. I am going to give her a slightly lesser gate, but still still generous. I am going to give her a 8 out of 10, because, yeah, her character from this episode and in other episodes in general get, show that she does, in fact, uh, serve as the voice of reason more times than not, and... I generally like those characters. I'm a fan of, like, Nicole Watterson, freaking, oh gosh, Grandma Longneck. Let's see. I, I, I can't think of others off the top of my head, but, like, female characters are ultimately both parent figures and the voice of reason that ultimately work, ultimately uh, get, like, really high brownie points in, for me in that regard. And, like, there are certainly a lot of other female, uh, like, Henson characters. There's the Lioness Mom from Between the Lions, there's Monica from Dinosaurs again. There is, to my knowledge, Miss Piggy. <laughs> I was just about Miss to say. Piggy. <laughs> there was also uh, Bear in the Big Blue House's uh, wife, I believe, uh, from Bear in the Big Blue House. So there's that as well. And uh, yeah, it. But yeah, Fran, honestly, for the most part, uh, strikes that chord of both cliche and uh, somewhat refreshing at the same time. And I kind of want to see more of her for that reason. So yeah, 8 out of 10. Okay, uh, Stryker? Um, I'm going to go the same with an 8. Plus, I um, I have a soft spot for mom characters since I care so much about my mom as well. Aww. Yeah, yeah, I think we all do. Oh. Like, she's my best friend, so... Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice, nice. Yeah, and... that's a good one. So, uh, Math Machine, what would you have to give her? I actually give Fran a 9. I am okay. actually that one weird person that I liked, in some aspects, her Season 1 model more than Season 2 and beyond, because... She actually kind of has a bit of a frump face if, with the season two and beyond model. I can see that, honestly. Yeah, and like, yeah. like that, I, she looked a bit happier and peppier with the original. That's not to say that it was a better model, but I just like the the base look of it better. Yeah, it looks basically physically better. I can understand that. That said, yeah. uh, she's always been a great character. Her design, no matter what season, is fantastic. Uh, I don't like the Fran as a foil episodes too much, but those are few and far between, and otherwise she's a great character. Uh, she She's effectively Marge Simpson done right, I would say. Especially in the it's modern more than Marge, I'd say, at this point. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I also will admit that, like, while it definitely was a little uh, noticeable that the season one and the season two and beyond definitely had different changes, I personally didn't mind either. It it definitely looked bizarre, but I didn't really hate it, you know? Same, same. Even, like, it's still Henson at the end of the day, and almost everything Henson did, with the exception of aliens and the family, Uh looked really good. And uh, this is just a funny little thing that uh, I've noticed uh, rewatching yeah. the series as an adult after initially watching it as a kid. As a kid, I was like, oh, Charlene, uh, she looks cute. Boy, that should have been a warning sign for me as, as, an, as an adult in general. Oh, uh, yeah. But, uh, I think we've all had that oh, with some, some of the characters 
on some of the shots that we've did, all had yeah. that experience. Definitely with did cause an awakening. This scale. Uh, yeah. But then, as an adult, uh, rewatching the show, uh, uh, whenever it's a Fran episode, I basically go Johnny Bravo. Whoa, mom! Hey, let it out. Whoa, I don't blame I, I would too. I do too. Yeah, I mean, uh, Fran certainly has that appeal. She has like that, like mom energy that I will one hundred percent like understand, no matter what. But like, yeah, I'm I'm also kind of weak to milfs as well. So same, same, and yeah, I also. Oh gosh, I had something. Never mind. Lucky Evie. Yeah, what would you give her? I'd say like a five. You don't look too Aww. bad. Is okay. this the uh, which design are you looking at? The season one or season two? We're still on the wiki shows me. Okay, mm. oh, that's all right. That's all right. That's fair. Oh no, oh. it shows both. Okay. Oh. okay. All right then. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. So, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you have any questions or if you want to send us your baby Sinclair impression to us. You can feel free to email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next time, we'll be talking about more dinosaurs in the 1990s as we look at the 1993 movie Jurassic Park for our first ever theme month of Jurassic July. So get your Chilean sea bass and hold on to your butts because we're going to be talking about the entire Jurassic Park uh, film franchise in the next few weeks. Over the what? Cue the dinosaur roars. If we have more professional podcasts, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this. And until next week, take care. Hey. Peace out. Adios. Peace.